have a, a Bible reading, and the Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 45, and starting at verse 18. If you have a, uh, a pew Bible, that's on page 763. Isaiah chapter 45, starting at verse 18. For this is what the Lord says, He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Gather together and come. Assemble, you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood and pray to gods that cannot save. Declare what is to be. Present it. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me a righteous God and a saviour, there is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. We thank the Lord for his word. Just notice what it said in verse 18, where it says that God formed the earth and he formed it to be inhabited. Uh, That is a very uh, important uh, message uh, that we have in that verse and the talk uh, that I'm going to give to you this morning the designer world in many ways is an exposition of Isaiah chapter 45 verse 18 to show how uh, we now know that the world has been wonderfully designed to be inhabited we live in a designer world designed very much uh, for man And I really hope this talk will be encouraging as I describe some of the wonderful details of creation, how it's designed uh, for every need of humankind. Just before we go into that, uh, I'll just uh, mention my work for the British Olympic uh, cycling team. That's a picture of myself in my backyard with one of the Team GB uh, bicycles worth about $100,000. About two years ago, Team GB came to me at my university and they said they wanted me to design the fastest chain and chain wheel there had ever been for a bicycle. Uh, They also wanted me to design an assembly procedure for the bike uh, as well, but it was mainly a chain and a chain ring. And I remember them specifically saying two years ago, uh, there's one thing we particularly want to do and that is to beat the Australian cycling team. Uh, So they gave me a quarter of a million uh, dollars uh, to do research and over the last two years I have spent uh, hundreds and hundreds of hours in the laboratory testing chains and developing new chains and chain rings and literally uh, a week ago uh, a chain, uh, well the chains were were delivered, Uh, there's a picture of one at the top, I took that picture last week just in time for Rio in three weeks' time uh, in Brazil, and I even designed a link with the Union Jack on it. 
just in case anyone was confused which chain belonged to which uh, bicycle. Uh, hence my apology for um, a few medals for other teams uh, in, in Rio in a few weeks' time. But the point I want to make here is that designer products do not happen by chance. A lot of sweat and effort goes into designing products, whether it's designer clothes or designer bicycles or designer cars. A lot of effort goes into that. And I can tell you, as an expert in design, when I look at this world, at trees and birds uh, and uh, all kinds of things, I see it is a designer world, specially designed, and in particular, thinking of all the needs of man. Now, there are two world views. One world view is the biblical world view, uh, that God has designed everything for man, and we see that particularly coming from that verse in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18. That's a very encouraging verse, but that is so different from the view we get from modern secular society. Uh, and I just want to mention, or, or there's a, a little um, text there from John Calvin. If you read John Calvin, he often refers to the earth as a theatre, and he often emphasises how God has specially designed all things for the use of man. I, uh, I've been very much encouraged and been encouraged and inspired by John Calvin. But compare this with the um, modern evolutionary secular worldview which says the earth is an insignificant speck of dust in the universe. Uh, so often our children and teenagers are taught that this world uh, is not important, it's just a speck of dust, that people are just a speck of dust on another speck of dust and nothing is designed for us that is so different from the biblical worldview. And what I want to tell you this morning is that the biblical worldview is the correct view, and I can tell you that as an expert in design. So what I'm going to do is to go through uh, ten particular areas, which hopefully will encourage you. Uh, many of these things we take for granted, so hopefully uh, you'll see things in a slightly different light after this talk. But we start with designer air. Air seems such a simple thing, uh, we forget about it because we can see through air, we, we, ha we just forget it's there. And uh, air is this very simple substance with nitrogen and oxygen, but it just so happens that air is the most amazing substance. I'm very aware of this as an engineer because engineers spend years studying the properties of air uh, from, a, from an engineering point of view. Uh, engineers particularly interested in the way that air holds water. So this, the air in this church is holding water and that makes it comfortable uh, to breathe and to talk. And that's uh, a very important property from an engineering point of view. But what is amazing about air is that it can do so many different things. Normally, an engineer will design a product to do one or two things. But God is such an amazing designer. He can make simple things do ten or even more things in the most wonderful way. So air is very, very good uh, at transmitting sound, as we've already heard this morning, with the music. 
But also, air is very good at transmitting smell. And of course, air is transparent, so we can see each other. It didn't have to be that way. Just imagine if air had a kind of orange tinge. That would be very strange, wouldn't it? But God has so designed air that we can see through it. But what is remarkable about air is that even though it's transparent, God can actually colour air. So this morning, we could see a lovely blue sky because of the way light scatters. And on a sunrise or a sunset, God can paint beautiful colours in air, which normally you see through. I think that's just amazing that God can do that, make air both transparent and capable of being coloured. But then air has the right amount of oxygen. It's enough uh, to breathe, but it's not so much that fires uh, can be produced spontaneously. So we see just the right amount uh, of oxygen. But not only that, air has the right density. It's not so much that you can't run through it or cycle through it. It's just right for the velodrome, actually. Uh, but there's enough density for aeroplanes and birds to fly. There's enough density for windmills uh, to turn, although not everyone's so happy about that. Uh, but the density is just the right level. But then air also holds water and it can hold clouds and it can carry the clouds from the sea to the land and then uh, clouds can release water on the land. So just speaking from a designer point of view, it's amazing how God can do so many things with air. Air is one of those things we just take for granted. We breathe air every day. We rely on uh, our breaths every second. To, to live. Just one of those things we take for granted. Well, that's just one thing. We can, uh, then we can think of water. And in a similar way, water is one of those very simple substances. It's just got one oxygen atom and two hydrogen atoms. But it just turns out that water is the most amazing substance. And as we read in the book of Job, uh, God creates the clouds and he pours water abundantly on man. That's one of God's abundant provisions for mankind. But as with air, water has many, many functions, very special functions. Have you ever stopped to think that water is tasteless, odourless and transparent? It did not have to be that way. Just imagine if water was uh, a purpley colour and smelly, how different it would be to have a shower or a bath or a wash or, a, uh, a, well, it wouldn't be a refreshing glass of water. But God has made it that way. It's not a fluke, it's not a coincidence, it's the way God designed it to be. Water has some very special properties. From a technical point of view, water uh, has what's called a high specific heat capacity. What that means is water doesn't change temperature very easily. And that's very important for life because it keeps us a stable temperature. But then water has lots of other important properties as well. It's, uh, it's very good at dissolving many substances, so water is very good for cooking. It also boils at a very convenient temperature for cooking uh, vegetables, and it also freezes at a convenient temperature 
for keeping uh, food cool and for fridges. But then water also holds oxygen, which is interesting because air holds water and water holds oxygen. So creatures can live in the seas, in the river. And unusually, water can uh, support ice on top, so ice floats on water. And that is very unusual for a substance like water for that to happen. But that's not a surprise from a Christian point of view because Uh, Because of the fact that ice floats on water, that makes life possible in the seas and the rivers and the oceans and the lakes where the water freezes. And on top of that, water comes in abundance. Uh, And if you come and live in the south of England, uh, you often see the abundant uh, provision of water. And water is very, very special. The origin of water is a great mystery to secular science. It really makes secular scientists scratch their heads. Where did all this water come from? Uh, But the answer is simple. It's God's provision. And water is very unusual in that it's uh, one of the only substances that exists on earth naturally uh, as both a gas, a liquid and a solid. And as I said before, water has that very special property that ice floats on top of water. But then we come to designer food. Uh, Did you know there's a verse in the Psalms that says, God causes vegetation to grow for the service of man. It's not a coincidence. We have fruit and vegetables um, and we have all kinds of food. God has specifically designed that food for the service of man. John Calvin was correct when he said such things. Now, some of my uh, engineering graduates go on to work uh, for food companies. It's a big industry, and a lot of engineers work in that industry. Uh, Many of my uh, graduates dream of working in a chocolate factory, especially the female student for some reason. Um, But that's actually a big industry, and what Uh, I've I've visited some of these students actually in the food companies and what they explain is that uh, it's it's a very challenging thing to design food like yogurts and flans and chocolates. Uh, You have to have the pressures and temperatures just right and have the machinery designed just right because you don't want chocolate too hard or too soft and you want it just to have the right nutrition and colour and look. And those things don't happen by chance. And also the packaging. It's very difficult to get packaging that doesn't annoy people, uh, that's easy uh, to get apart. But it just so happens that God has designed the most amazing convenience foods. When you look at fruits uh, and other uh, foods like uh, wheat and rice, they are amazingly designed. Engineers look at fruit and they are so jealous. They look at it and they think, I wish I could design that. But it is too difficult. Uh, What God has done uh, is so superior to the best that engineers do. Just to give you one example, my favourite fruit is a banana. Uh, Bananas are amazingly designed. Before they're ripe, they're very hard. That's really useful because it makes it easy to transport. And then a banana will tell you exactly how ripe it is because it goes from green to yellow and then darker so you know exactly the best time to eat a banana 
engineers would love to do that. They would love to make a packaging that tells you how ripe the food is, but they can't. It's too difficult to do. That's one of the things they find they just cannot copy what God has done. A lovely thing about a banana is that it has an incredibly lovely gooey softness when it's ripe. And engineers, uh, another thing engineers are very jealous about, that gooey softness, uh, they'd love to produce it, but it is really hard to replicate that. They'd love to produce a yogurt that could have just the kind of uh, softness of a banana, but it's a very difficult thing to do. And have you ever noticed that a banana is very easy to take apart? Just with your fingers, you can pull that packaging apart better than any human packaging. I've actually met an atheist who said the one thing that made him doubt his atheism was the banana. So tasty, um, uh, so good for him, just the right quantity. He said, I can even hold it and eat it and speak to it at the same time because it's got this little bend on it. Uh, But I told him there are many other fruits that are very well designed. And they are abundant. There are billions of bananas that are produced around the world every year. And it's not just that, but uh, another fruit that engineers are in awe of are apples and oranges. Did you know that an apple is something like 98% uh, apple juice? But when you take a bite, nothing is spilt. Because all the juice is held in tiny, tiny cells. It's an incredible design that engineers cannot copy. We have, uh, it's very humbling as an engineer, we have to stick a straw on the side of the carton uh, because we cannot do what God has done. With an orange, God has stuck all that orange juice in little segments. And even the bite size, you know, God knew what a bite size segment was. That's how he designed the orange. And even those segments have segments within segments. So many things we take for granted. But as an engineer, I I like looking at the little details of things. And just like from Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus spoke about the flowers of the field that God had clothed. That wasn't a coincidence. God had deliberately designed the flowers to be beautiful. And what I can see with an engineering eye is that God has put the care and attention into every single detail of creation. So often we miss it, especially in this atheistic society, but I can see it everywhere, all around us. But then we come to designer clothing materials. I can see some designer shirts and jumpers this morning uh, in front of me. But did you know the first designer clothes were right back at the beginning of creation when God made clothes for Adam and Eve? They they would have been stylish and good quality. Um, But engineers have tried to produce designer clothing material like polyester. That's a man-made fibre. And like everything else, uh, it's humbling for engineers because it's never as good as what God has designed. Uh, it's, It's very challenging producing Uh, clothing material because you want high insulation, you want lightness, uh, you want it to be comfortable and also with uh, clothing material you want it to absorb water because uh, because you don't want, uh, if you're sweating, you don't want to feel uh, wet and all material 
will absorb a certain amount of water before you feel wet. Uh, but the best material is the one that absorbs the most water. And it just so happens uh, that natural materials like wool and cotton are far better than man-made materials uh, at absorbing water. That's one of the reasons that a cotton shirt will always feel more comfortable than a polyester shirt. It's not just a psychological thing, it's an absolutely real thing. And not only that, but God has made uh, an abundance of natural clothing materials. So natural wool and cotton, very efficient at insulation, high water absorption, uh, better than man-made materials. Did you know that uh, if you're wearing a woolen jumper and you're out in the cold and it rains, one thing, you, if, you're, if you uh, feel carefully, one thing that happens when it rains on a cold day on wool, the wool heats up. There's a chemical reaction in wool where if water falls on it, it will actually heat up. And uh, many shepherds and fishermen have appreciated that in days past. Uh, Just another wonderful little detail of God's design. And it's amazing how God has designed the sheep to be able to survive on the mountains in Scotland or Wales or the mountains in New Zealand. Uh, I'm not sure if you have any mountains with sheep on in Australia. But God has made sheep to be able to survive in very rugged areas, uh, which is incredibly convenient for man. But then we come to designer working materials. God knew that we would need all kinds of materials to construct homes uh, and furniture. Uh, In the Bible, we read of how Uh, Solomon got cedar and cypress logs from Hiram to build the temple. Uh, That was a very good choice, by the way. They're good, very good uh, woods for that. I've actually done research myself uh, on the structural properties of wood and done experiments. And I've been so impressed with the incredible design of wood. So we have uh, designer woods. What's so wonderful Uh, about wood is that God has given a fantastic variety of woods with a great range of different properties, different hardnesses and densities and stiffness and that's not a coincidence God knew that we would have so many uses for wood that he gave us this great abundant variety of wood and by the way I I have spoken in hundreds of churches around the world And I can tell you uh, that you have the most designer pulpit I have ever seen in the entire world. Wonderful carvings uh, on this uh, pulpit. I'd like to take a picture of this uh, before I go. Uh, And you also have lovely beams and a lovely ceiling. Wood is an incredibly important uh, material for man. It's high strength, low weight, high insulation. God has given us hardwoods in case... Uh, We need that, uh, perhaps for high-quality furniture. He's given us mahogany. Uh, Pine is very good in the building industry, very good for quick construction. If you want a super strong wood, God has given us uh, oak, especially English oak. It's a bit stronger than Australian oak. Uh, If we want a really tough wood, uh, God has given us willow. And if you ever want to know 
how tough willow is. Try sawing a branch of willow. It's an incredibly tough wood. Uh, Interestingly, it's because of willow that we can play cricket and baseball because a cricket bat takes an absolute hammering and you have to use a a very specific wood just like uh, willow. I have no doubt that when God was creating the world, he foresaw cricket and designed the willow tree. If you want a sweet wood, you can have cedar of Lebanon. Uh, If you want a rot-resistant wood because you want a wood foundation in the ground or you want an outdoor building, you can use uh, cypress. If you want a light wood, you use balsa, a very heavy wood. You use lignum. That's been very important for ship bearings down through the ages. And did you know that there are particular woods that are ideal for musical instruments like violins and guitars. They're called tone woods or musical woods. Woods like spruce and maple are absolutely ideal for musical instruments. And that is not a coincidence. Of course, God thought of those violins, cellos, guitars. And he created those designer trees that would enable those instruments to be built. You see, God has thought of every need of man. John Calvin was absolutely right. This world is a theatre where everything is ordained for the use of man. That's what the Bible uh, says. But then God has given us designer metals. And again, there's a whole range of metals for so many different uses. God has given us uh, lead, a very pliable uh, metal, good for guttering uh, and for metal that has to be formed easily. God has given nickel, a very hard uh, metal, good for coins. Uh, He's given us uh, copper. Copper is an amazing metal, good for central heating uh, systems. And I'm glad that's working well now in this church. Uh, But very good for uh, electrical engineering and uh, for, for telephone wires and so on. And we can go through the whole list. Every particular need of man, God has provided those materials and uh, it's not just that but uh, some trees produce some very special materials like rubber Uh, you can have a rubber tree God knew that we would need that then we have ceramics in the ground uh, to make crockery every need of man you can find a material provided by God in the ground Then we come to designer helpers. Uh, There's a verse in the book of Proverbs that talks about how uh, if you want to make a good profit, uh, you you have an ox uh, because to plough the field yourself is very, very hard work. Now, we take this for granted today, but in times past, uh, people gave thanks for powerful creatures like horses and oxen. Uh, To be a farmer is a very difficult thing if you don't have powerful help. We take it for granted today because, of course, we have all these diggers uh, and tractors that engineers have designed. But to do farming and building, you need very, very powerful help. And in the past, that came through horses and oxen uh, because God knew that man would need powerful helpers. Here's an amazing picture from uh, times gone past. A hundred years ago, you would see this kind of picture. 
an incredible mass of wood pulled by two horses. Uh, Horses are incredibly powerful creatures. In fact, they're so powerful and they've so impressed engineers that in the past, engineers named the unit of power the horsepower because they were so impressed with the horse. One horse typically has a power of around 750 uh, watts. One man has a power of about, uh, you know, because a horse is one horsepower. That was the whole definition. One man has a power of around 75 watts. So you need 10 men to do the work of one horse. Uh, Or I should say, you can have one horse to do the work of 10 men. And one horse is cheaper and doesn't go on strike. Uh, And God knew that. Uh, So God gave us horses. The whole of history would be utterly different without the horse. Farming wouldn't have been the way it is. Uh, Military history would be completely different without the horse. God knew that mankind needed horses, so it's not surprising that we have the horse. I would say uh, there are two creatures specially designed for man, very specially, and that is the horse and the dog. God knew that man needed very intelligent helpers. Uh, I love seeing sheepdog, uh, sheepdogs, uh, especially in Wales, in the United Kingdom. They are so incredibly intelligent. They do what the farmer says and uh, some of their skills are just amazing. But it's not surprising that God has created two creatures that are trainable and such important helpers for man. Exactly what you'd expect if God had designed the world. You see, we live in a designer world. Uh, Carrying on with the theme of of horses, uh, we have designer transport. Interesting in that verse there how God said to Job, have you given the horse strength? What that is telling us is that God deliberately put strength in the horse. It's not some kind of fluke. God thought of all these things. God deliberately gave the horse strength So that would be useful for farmers and for military situations. God deliberately made the back of the horse just the right curve in both directions for a human to sit on. Every tiny detail has been designed. One of the things a designer knows is that you have to design every detail. In your car, there are tens of thousands of details. Every surface finish, every dimension every material property, tens of thousands, and an engineer has to specify every single one. You don't just specify a few and hope for the best. You have to specify every single one. That's why it's hard work. But as an expert in design, I can see that God has specified every single detail of creation for man and how we need to give thanks to God for that. Humans uh, uh, should be very grateful Uh, to horses. Um, Horses are the ultimate four by four. Did you know on the west coast of America there's a competition uh, where mostly Arabian horses are used and they travel more than a hundred miles in one day across mountainous terrain. So mountainous uh, engineered four by four vehicles cannot follow them and these horses do it time after time. Horses are designed for transportation and for transporting humans. And if you want to go across a desert, 
Well, God's designed a camel uh, to get you across uh, and incredibly well designed for those locations. You see, God has thought of everything. Now, in this presentation, I thought I would have a simple example because sometimes it's the simple things that show the wisdom and power of a designer or creator. So grass is, uh, well, we assume grass is a very simple thing, but it turns out grass is actually not so simple. It's an amazing uh, plant. One of the amazing things about grass is if you cut it or if an animal eats it, you can't kill it, even if you eat it right down to the ground. Most plants will die if you just cut it or eat it. Uh, But a grass lives underneath the surface. So even when animals graze, It doesn't kill the grass, it grows back vigorously. That's a wonderful design detail. But, uh, and did you know there are hundreds and hundreds of different types of grass? Farmers will spend ages selecting the type of grass they want for their fields. And more importantly, there are different kinds of grass for golf courses, football pitches, rugby pitches, uh, and your back garden. Here are some of the features of grass. It's very soft, so that when you slide on grass with your skin, if you're playing cricket or football, uh, you don't graze your skin, because grass is very, very soft. It's self-repairing, it's attractive, it's repaintable, if you want a better sport than football, something like rugby. Um, Engineers, uh, again, like everything else, they've tried to replicate grass because sometimes you might want artificial grass for maintenance reasons or access reasons but once again it's very humbling for the engineer because and this is the main thing engineered grass is not soft and sportsmen have been screaming at engineers saying your grass is not soft when I slide on your grass I'm covered in blood and cuts and I want you to design soft grass And engineers talk back and say, I really apologise, it's just too difficult. We can't do what, uh, well I would say, what God has done in creating soft grass. Uh, It is just too difficult to do it. Also, engineered grass is not self-repairing, it's not attractive. Um, So uh, once again, it's humbling and hard to repaint uh, because you have to paint it green and then paint it white again. So, we come to the sliding soccer celebration. You know when a soccer player scores a goal and then he slides on his knees along the grass. Next time you see this on the television, if you look carefully, that footballer will often look down at the grass first. And what he's doing, he's checking it's real grass. Because if it's artificial grass, he knows he will have blood all over his knees if he does that on artificial grass. But when you do it on real grass, you can just slide as much as you like. Real grass is soft. But grass is uh, so important. Have you ever stopped to wonder how a cow can eat grass and out comes milk? That is one of the most incredible miracles of design. If you ask an engineer to do that, they will either faint or just tell you, I'm sorry, that is just completely impossible. But God has so wonderfully designed creatures, uh, and especially the cow, just to turn such a simple substance, grass, into milk. It's just an incredible thing. 
And of course, grass is important for turning into hay. So this very humble plant turns out to be so special. Now, sometimes we look at secular science and we think, yeah, secular science uh, has all the answers. It's very knowledgeable. It's very powerful. But it's important to know the limitations of secular science. Did you know scientists cannot make a single blade of grass? It's too difficult. And yet God can create the heavens and the earth. Don't forget, God is more powerful and more knowledgeable. And his word is totally trustworthy. And it's his word that we should believe. And his power we should trust in. Uh, Very briefly, uh, designer beauty. Have you ever stopped to think of the colour scheme of creation? This is something I've been recently writing about. The blue sky, we've enjoyed that this morning. It's a very restful, peaceful colour. If the sky was red all day, it would raise our blood pressure because if we're surrounded by red for very long, it's very stressful. But it so happens, blue is a very peaceful colour. The green land is a restful colour. Again, it's not red. But also, there's a beautiful contrast between the blue sky and the green land. Imagine how strange it would be if both the sky was blue and the land was blue or the sky was green and the land was green but it's not just that uh, it just so happens that green is the best background colour for, for flowers, for yellows, for whites for blues, for purples and it's not just that but it just so happens that if you look at wild flowers on uh, the ground, the most unusual colour is blue and that is the perfect colour scheme because if blue is dominating in the sky then it makes sense that blue is the most unusual uh, colour scheme on the ground that does not happen by chance I've heard atheists say well these kind of things uh, that's just a kind of coincidence it's just a great coincidence but it's not, it's a great providence Uh, a perfect designer has created that colour scheme one of those things we take for granted I could give a whole lecture on the beauty of flowers and butterflies and birds. What we have here is complete over-design. Flowers are far more beautiful than they need to be just to attract insects. Insects could be attracted by such simple scents and shapes and colours. But as it says in Matthew uh, chapter 6, God has specially clothed the grass of the field. God deliberately made flowers to be very beautiful and you see that with birds and butterflies as well and I have whole chapters in my book uh, describing how beauty is a great evidence of design then we have a designer lighting system, it's not just the earth which is wonderfully designed but God has even designed the lighting system of the universe for the earth Uh, an engineer would have designed where to put the spotlights in this church but God has designed the spotlights for the earth and not only that but God has designed the stars to be a calendar system that's what it says in Genesis they are there to be for signs and for seasons some of you might have a calendar at home a war calendar that's quite big well God has made the universe to be an entire uh, universe sized calendar system 
to man that we might know the days and, and the years. Obviously, we take that for granted today, but years ago, people relied on the stars for navigation uh, and for times and for seasons. Uh, a wonderful quote from Thomas Watson. He said, The world was bespangled with sun, moon and stars so that the world's beauty might be beheld and admired. And I totally agree with that Puritan uh, statement. He can see that the earth is at the centre of God's purposes in the universe. He can see that the stars were made for the earth. He can see that the earth isn't some insignificant speck in the universe, but everything is designed for the earth and for man. So what does the designer world show us? Because we should uh, make some kind of response. Uh, what does it show us? Well, it, show us, it shows us that there is a designer. Design reveals a designer. No one has an excuse to say there is no creator. That's what we read in Romans 1.20. No one can look at creation and say, I can't see there is a God. And surely if you're in Australia where you have uh, particularly beautiful birds and, and creatures and landscape, no one can say, I can't see there is a God. Uh, in Isaiah 45, verse 18, uh, God says, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is a God and it is the God of the Bible. But we also see the designer's goodness. We see his common grace. Everyone uh, uh, is a recipient of God's common grace. The Lord is good to all. Everyone. Those who believe, those who don't believe. His tender mercies are over all of his works. Everything that God has made, you can see his merciful provision and love for man. So let's just come back to those two world views. There is the biblical worldview and the modern secular evolutionary worldview. The biblical worldview is that God thought of everything. And as an expert in design, I can see that so, so clearly. I've designed spacecraft, motorbikes, aeroplanes, bicycles, and I've had to tell my design team, you have to think of everything. You have to specify every detail. It will take years of effort, but you have to do it. And when I look at this world, I see a designer world where God has thought of every need of man. And that shows how much God cares for man. That's one of the things I want to encourage you with this morning. God cares so much. He's not a distant God. He cares so much. When Jesus said, consider the flowers of the field, Jesus is not just saying, think of the flowers. Jesus is saying, think of the flowers and the trees and the birds and the grass and the blue sky and everything. And think of how much God cares for you. And therefore, do not be anxious. Do not worry. But sadly, we live in a world today where people, and this is taught to our children in so many schools, and it says this, either there isn't a God, or if there is a God, he didn't think of anything. There was some big bang, 
And God didn't think of anything. Everything just appeared by chance. That is not true. Uh, The earth is not here by accident. It was formed to be inhabited, just as it says in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18. Scripture is true. But finally, let's come back to Isaiah chapter 45, because just a few verses later, in verse 22, God says, Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. God has not just made the world, he's made a way of salvation. It's a designer salvation with a designer saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's done everything. He's done every detail necessary for our salvation, to die on the cross. The Bible says that God created the world, or the whole universe and the earth, with his fingers. But it took his right arm to save mankind. What that means is his work on the cross of Calvary was an even bigger work than creating this entire universe. What an amazing, powerful salvation that is. How could we possibly ignore that invitation uh, when the God of heaven says, look to me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth. If there's anyone here who has not pleaded with God for salvation, who has not uh, confessed their sins and looked to the Lord Jesus, I would urge you to think of this verse, to think of that invitation. This is the verse, I think, that Charles Haddon Spurgeon uh, was, was moved by uh, during his conversion. It's a wonderful verse and very much relates uh, to the, the talk I've given. So I really hope uh, that encourages you uh, to think of God's goodness, his common grace in creation, uh, but also do not forget his special grace, his invitation for salvation. So let us come to prayer. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you all the praise and the glory for your wonderful creation. And we pray that we would not take for granted all of those things that you have made for us. Let us not forget uh, all of those details, how you have thought of every need of mankind. So we do thank you for your common grace, your common grace to all the inhabitants of this world. And for those who do not know you, we pray that they would think of that common grace, how you have filled this earth with your goodness. And your goodness uh, is, a, is um, given to all people. But we thank you also for your special grace that came through the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can be saved for uh, a place of heaven that will have a design beyond anything we can comprehend, uh, where we can have an eternity of pleasure uh, at your right hand, uh, pleasures that we uh, cannot comprehend, but uh, a heaven that we can look forward to. Uh, if we respond to that great invitation to come to you and to be saved. Uh, We pray that all those here this morning uh, that would respond to that invitation and would have that joy of being in your kingdom uh, to see your goodness uh, so very clearly. So we do thank you for your goodness towards us. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.